So this morning we begin. We begin the journey to Bethlehem as it is found in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is the only place where we hear the Christmas story, at least as we know it and understand it. The Annunciation of the uh, Angel Gabriel to Mary, the trip to Bethlehem, the arrival of the shepherds, the host of angels. But for Luke, the story of Jesus is not to be told without an encounter with the story of John the Baptist. Uh, Luke weaves these two stories together. John, Jesus's relative, often called his cousin. We're told that not only was their story uh, linked as adults, but from conception, these two share a journey. So this morning, we're going to start, again, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, right after Luke explains why he is writing this story. We begin in verse 5 and read through verse 25. One thing you need to know about this story, I think that is helpful, is that in Jesus' day, in this early uh, culture, to be childless and to be righteous did not go together. That a childless, barren family, particularly woman, that's how they understood it, meant someone had sinned. A family, a part of your family history, you yourself, that was some judgment of God upon you that you would be barren. But what we hear this morning is that Zechariah and Elizabeth were blameless and still childless. So that helps us understand the drama that lies within this story. So let us hear it. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 25. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to the commandments and regulations of the Lord, but but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both of them were getting on in years. Once... When Zechariah was serving his priest before God and his section was on duty, Zechariah was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly assembly of people were praying outside. Then there appeared to Zechariah an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And with the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before them to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
And then Zechariah said to the angel, how do I know that this is so? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. And the angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day that these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered why his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out and could not speak to them, the people realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. Zechariah kept motioning to them, and he, but he remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, Zechariah returned home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months, she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I've endured among my people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for this new beginning, this new day, this new season, this old story made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. Open us. Open us to your word, to your way, to our hope, renewed hope in you. Amen. I'm aware that on most... uh, Sundays in most sermons, I let you figure out the message as it unfolds, the main points along the way. So some weeks it's a little clearer than others. This Sunday, though, knowing that many of us have a lot of things going on in our, in our hearts and our heads this season, I thought I'd just tell you in the very beginning what the point of the sermon is. <laughs> and then if you lose your way or if I lose my way, You'll still go home knowing what I believe is our message for this morning. And this is it. In Christ, we are free to hope. And in particularly in the Psalms, that word hope means, when we read it, hope in the Lord, it means trust. Right? We hear that over and over again, again, especially in the Psalms. Um, Hope in the Lord. It means trust in the Lord. So this morning... I want us to claim that in Christ, we are free to hope and to trust. And what I want us to trust is that God can and will use us for good in the world as we are where we are. Our stories aren't over. Our stories aren't complete yet. That's one of the messages to me for this day that we're going to look at from Elizabeth and Zechariah, they thought their story was over, right? I'm old, she's old, we'll just keep doing our thing, God, but... And then the angel Gabriel had this word. It turns out that each of us has the freedom to hope and to trust that we can and will be used by God for good in this world, where we are, as we are. So, 
This story from Luke, Elizabeth, and Zechariah, they have good bloodlines. That's what we find out in the beginning. Both of them are from really good families. And we're told that they're righteous, that they're living blamelessly, and according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. I mean, these two are over the top good. But they had no children. But they had no children. Again, right? How is this that they have no children? But we're told because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. So all hope for a child, for a a future, was gone. What do we make of this? Blameless people from righteous families not having any children. It makes no sense. Now at this point in the story, and really until a few words from Elizabeth, we have no idea about their conversation with one another or their internal wonderings. I imagine that there is a feeling that their ship has sailed, right? It's too late now. Let's just carry on. It's too late now. Any of those hopeless and helpless feelings that they had, I imagine we've had at some point in our lives. About one thing or the other, big or small, it's hopeless. It's helpless. And then in the blink of an eye, literally, for Zechariah, everything changes. He was chosen. He won the lottery. He was chosen by drawing of lots to be the one that went into the sanctuary. Whenever I'm preaching on this and I'm in this space, I I have that feeling. Uh, He would be the one that would be up at the altar and he would be offering the incense. This This is this spectacular opportunity that not even all the priests get, that, that it's just rare that you would be called upon to do this, that you would be chosen. And so while he's there in the sacredness of this space, that angel of the Lord appears and Zechariah is understandably terrified. And again, those words that we hear over and over again in scripture, do not be afraid. So there must have been good reason to be afraid, If they keep hearing, do not be afraid. And he's told he's going to have a son who's going to bring them joy and gladness. Zechariah, understandably, is stunned and questions and then is muted, is silenced. But Elizabeth, Elizabeth is the one who gets it. We're told, maybe not at the beginning, And again, we don't know what their conversation was. But I want you to hear again verse 25. 24 and 25 from this story. After those days, Zechariah's wife Elizabeth conceived. And for the first five months, she remained in seclusion. Right? She must have been like, what is going on here? Right? And then she said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me. And to weigh the disgrace I've endured among my people. Elizabeth finally gets it. This is a great gift of God. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they'd given up the freedom to hope. They had no reason to hope or to trust. It made it impossible. It seemed impossible to Zechariah that God could continue to work in them just as they were 
as old as they were. Hmm. And God did something spectacular. He gave them back. He gave them back the freedom to hope. He gave them back the freedom to trust. He gave them a future. He used them just as they were, where they were. I think that's a message for us this day. Whoever we are, wherever we are, no matter how hopeless and helpless we feel at times, no matter how it just seems like, even if, again, not even a big thing, just a little bit off some days, you're like, how is God going to use me? Hmm. I have a story for you. Again, it's sort of a simple story, but um, it's told by another United Methodist clergywoman. Her name is Reverend Rosemary Brown. It's a story from a number of years ago about being in the wrong place, but at the right time, and how God continued and surprisingly used her just where she was. And here is Reverend Brown's story. And she writes this, I had been at my first appointment only three weeks when a member of the church called me and said, Pastor Rosemary, my aunt has fallen and broken her hip. She's 85 and hasn't been able to go to church for some time. Would you be willing to go see her? Oh, would I, I thought. I got so excited. This was going to be my first pastoral call to a hospital and my first appointment ever. And so the niece gave me her room number at the Baptist Hospital there in Nashville, and I hurried into the hospital, caught the elevator up to the fifth floor, and made my way to the room I had been given. I looked in, and there she was, leg up in traction, weight hanging off the end of the bed. I circled the bed and reached out and took her hand and said, Hello, my name is Pastor Rosemary Brown, and I've come to see how you're doing today. She smiled and just said, Good. I sat down in the hospital chair, and she began to talk about her life. She'd lived in Dixon on a large farm with her husband. He died eight years ago, and she couldn't take care of the farm by herself, so she'd moved to Nashville to an assisted living apartment. And then, and then she said, clumsy old me, I turned around too fast, fell and broke my hip, and motioning to her leg, and she said, and here I am all strung up. Caught up in her story, I completely forgot about time. When I glanced down at my watch, I realized I'd been there for 45 minutes. And in seminary, we were taught to never stay over 15 minutes on a first visit. Here I was in my first hospital visit, and I'd already blown it by 30 minutes. Standing up, I reached out and and took her hand. I said, "I, I need to go now, but it would be okay with you if I offered a prayer before I go. Sure, she said. And she closed her eyes, and I closed mine, and I I began to pray, Dear God, please be with Mrs. Morgan. And I felt a little tap come on my shoulder, and I opened one eye and looked at her, and she whispered and said, My name is Mrs. Jones, dear. Now you go on with your prayer. I'd been given the wrong room number. I'd been given the wrong room number. For my member's aunt. I started over. Dear God, please be with Mrs. Jones. Hmm. 
And when I finished, I leaned over in the bed and I hugged her goodbye, knowing that I was now going to go have to find Mrs. Morgan and start all over again. As I left the room, a nurse was standing there with a tear running down her face. She said, Pastor, I don't know who you are, but Mrs. Jones has been in the hospital for two weeks, and you're the first visitor that she's had. For 45 minutes, I'd been in the wrong room at the right time. You need to know that I visited Mrs. Jones every day after that. We became dear friends, and when she passed away, I officiated at her funeral. And as far as I know, I was her only surviving relative, a daughter in Christ. God is like that, you know. God will place us where we need to be when we least expect it. And then we're responsible for doing the rest. God will place us where we need to be when and where we least expect it. Being in the wrong room, I think it was the right room and the right time. In confidence, we have the freedom to hope. We have the freedom to trust like Elizabeth and Zechariah finally were able to do that God will use us however old we are however well or infirmed we are, whatever our weaknesses are, whatever our strengths are, whatever our financial situation is this season, God will use us to what? To bring Christ's love and grace and joy this season to the world. 